Welcome to Chats Over Coffee with my yoga teacher. This is a podcast where a comedian talks to his yoga teacher about... There's usually yoga in there, but if you don't practice that, you should still hopefully enjoy it. That's the plan anyway. Thanks if you've been listening for a while. Don't forget to subscribe if you do enjoy the show and you haven't done that. And if you do want to tell other people about it, either in real life or on the internet, we would love that as well. So here is this week's episode. Uh, here we go. It's like they say in in heaven there'd be no need for comedy because there'd be nothing to laugh about because there'd be no problems for you to make light of. There you go. So when we get there, I am out out of a job. (laughs) Another reason not to go to heaven. (laughs) I was going to ask you, how did you, how did, did you do Tuesday's class? How did I do? Did you do it? Did you do Tuesday's class? The one, the, the one around him, sir. The one we're going to talk about, yeah, yeah. Yeah, did you do it? I did do it. Well, what did you think? Um, <laughs> it was alright, yeah. I mean, <laughs> sometimes I feel like I'm not... Oh God, how am I going to say this? I know that you, you put things, like you put effort into the class and stuff, and it's mm-hmm. all like themed, and it, that's why we're doing certain things. But sometimes it gets... Sometimes it feels... Ah, why did you take this the wrong way? Don't, don't. Right, but I'm waiting to take it the wrong way. No, no, no. okay, right, okay. Well, when I sometimes do, if I do a yoga with Adrian video, and she's got mm. all ones, ones like yoga for creativity, yoga for writers, yoga for stress, yoga for you know mm. when you've had a bad day, and sometimes I do them, and I think it was just a yoga class. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like she said at the beginning, oh, this would be really good for whatever, and and I, you know. For all I know, with her technical knowledge and mm. presumably your technical knowledge, everything is very much structured. Uh, all the poses that we do, everything is is done because of the certain theme. And I I can't see it because I'm not an aficionado of it. But sometimes I sort of think mm. she could just say, "Not you, not you, Adrian." But oh yeah, okay. Could just say, "We're just doing yoga today," and it'd be the same. I mean, when it's something physical like this is good for your lower back or something today that's yeah. different but sometimes the more philosophical elements of it you sort of mm. feel like to the untrained person perhaps it could feel like you're just spending the first five minutes saying this is our focus and now we're just going to do regular yoga and you can think that it's related <laughs> i'm not saying that's what happened but mm. I, I i wouldn't have understood why doing some of the specific moves mm. and stuff in the class is necessarily related to the philosophical focus of that class yeah and so, so please enlighten me so i would say there's two aspects <laughs> to bringing a, a, a focus to to your class like that like so for instance you said like yoga for creativity that's very abstract there's nothing there necessarily that relates specifically to your body at first glance in a sense like you just think yeah yoga for creativity okay and then like you say and you do a yoga class <laughs> but there's two things so one obviously setting an intention like literally saying it to yourself over and over again will make a difference i actually read a medical study recently about uh yoga for back pain which obviously is very physical that's a you know, if you, like you're saying, if you do yoga for your lower back, then you can imagine that's going to emphasize lower back things. But um, this one was talking about just specifically pain in general. And they said that they, you know, after they did their tests and exams and did 
uh, classes with other people and stuff like that. And basically, they the conclusion was that if you tell someone that this is going to help them with their back pain, it had a higher percentage of helping with their back pain than if you told them it was just yoga, even if it was the exact same thing. So that's like the mind kind of aspect. Like you tell yourself something and then it's related, whether you want it to be or not. You know, rather that rather if it's actually physically related or not. If you're saying this yoga is going to help with my creativity after class, I'm going to feel so creative. <laughs> but <laughs> there's another aspect, the more subtle aspects. So this kind of goes into your yoga philosophy a little bit, but not the eight limbs. This goes into more like Chinese medicine and your nadis and you know, so like your chi and your and your chakras and your levels of creativity would be linked to something like that. So in traditional acupuncture, they say that your your chi or your key is is blocked. The channels have been, you know, they've become blocked for some reason. So they try to poke you with little pins to clear the the channels. Similar things can happen, or the idea behind them happening for your chakras. So you're, you know, say so you have about seven chakras in your body, and each one is related to feelings, to mental levels, to how well you speak, how well you articulate your feelings, and your and that kind of thing. You can imagine that they flow. So like if you were to imagine like puddles, like rice paddy fields or something, and each one kind of flows and then pours into the next one and flows and pours into the next one, that's the idea for your chakras as well. So if one kind of stagnates or gets clogged up, the idea is that it won't swirl as well, won't be as clean, it won't be good. So even if you're not 100% sure if you agree with all that, which is fine, (laughs) but the idea is that a lot of teachers, when they teach a class specifically designed around something, it'll be designed around whatever philosophy they're wanting to go down and opening those channels. So rather that's chakra-based or nadis or uh, a mental block or whatever. So if you were to say that you're, you know, you're feeling very angry, you might open your heart chakra. So you may do more back bends, you may do more things that open through the chest, you may do more breathing exercises. Same with the throat, if you're having trouble communicating and things, you might focus on the area of the mouth and the throat and exercises around that. So from someone who's not really paying, who doesn't really understand that those subtle connections to the poses, they might think that you're just doing a yoga class, but the teacher might have designed something around, you know, opening these channels or these chakras or whatever, Does that answer your question? Yeah, that sort of does, yeah. So basically, I'm like, you know, you schooled me there. (laughs) I didn't mean to school you. No, no, no. (laughs) But this does go to show why there are different levels of yoga teachers. I'm not saying that everyone's a bad teacher or everyone's a good teacher. But if this is why you have to be careful that you do actually get someone who's been through yoga teacher training. Because sometimes people, I have seen it myself, go to yoga classes lots and lots and lots and then start to teach a class. And all they're teaching are the poses. And they don't really know what, why or what they're teaching. They don't know that subtleness behind it. And I'm not saying that everyone is like that and that you have to get a certain qualification. But I do think that you have to make sure that you've, you've dug deep into it before you go into teaching. Because you just, well, I've said it loads of times, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Like even I don't, you know, there's loads of stuff I won't know. Of course. <laughs> I'm just, you know, we're, we're learning our whole lives. You know, people, you know, the monks and stuff in, in, have de- dedicated their whole life to learning all about yoga and they'll literally leave their families and go into a shrine and, you know, and, and that's it. They just go live in the monastery forever and all they do is yoga. Like, there's loads of stuff I won't know because I, I don't live that kind of life. <laughs> they won't know everything either, so, you know. <laughs> exactly. I'm not saying I'm putting myself on a pedestal, but I, I would say that to definitely keep an eye out, you know. For the charlatans. <laughs> 
that makes okay. me that makes me feel bad now. I'm saying that all the yoga teachers are charlatans. That's not what I mean. <laughs> so I, I think a lot of comedians are charlatans. So you know, <laughs> you're not really funny. You're just making it up. <laughs> well, you know, they're just getting away with it. You know, something related to that. It's not. It's probably really obvious. But I remember when I was kind of young, and I found out that comedians, like on the radio, is just lie. They just make up stories and then say that they happened. You know, like, oh, I had my, I don't know what, like, I had my plaster around and blah, 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 blah. And, oh, and then it was a laugh. And then it was just all a lie. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And I felt really betrayed. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't, I don't like you. I don't want you to lie to me. <laughs> Even if your silly story was funny. <laughs> Apparently Woody Allen never shot a moose. So there we go. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, so, okay. So well, you should explain what that, Ahimsa is. Have I said that right? Yeah, yeah, Ahimsa. And then yeah. why some of the things we did in the class were related to it, if you remember what we did. Okay, so specifically with the class that, that I taught, I wanted to make sure that we stayed clear in the intention that this would apply only to yoga on the mat. So rather than trying to teach mindsets and things for off the mat or in your life, I was very conscious that I wanted to keep it related to your physical yoga practice. So ahimsa itself is um, the first of the eight limbs and it's the first of the first. So it's the first yama and there's five yamas and then the yamas are one of the eight limbs of yoga. And this is just like, I've, as I kind of mentioned, one aspect of, of yoga philosophy. But they're basically... Yeah, I've got it written here. Moral restraints, which I think are quite is quite a good way of saying it. Um, but they're how we act to other people. So the niyamas, which we covered before, are how we act to ourselves. Whereas the yamas are basically how we act outside. So literally how we act towards other things. And the first one is ahimsa, which is non-harming. So basically just not causing any harm, not hurting anything. This is the main reason why the majority of yoga teachers are vegan or vegetarian, which is why that is quite strongly attached to that, I don't know, the idea of a yoga teacher. <laughs> I think it was one of the first things I asked you, I think, probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And, and, and Sorry, yeah, to same. some extent, that's rightfully so, because that is one of, these, one of these main points that connect most yoga philosophies are the eight limbs. And those are based, the first one of the eight limbs is ahimsa. And everyone, pretty much, give or take, obviously, there's always everyone you know, everyone in quotes, you know, a lot of people all agree that this is the, the reason why it's the first one is because it's the most important one and that it affects all the other ones. So no matter what we talked about for the niyamas, no matter what we talk about going forward, this one has to come first. So you tell the truth as long as there's no harm. You do this as long as you're not harming anything. This one has to apply to everything. So yeah, you've got this idea of like, maybe you apply that to your life by being a vegan in your lifestyle, so not just your food, but also your clothing, where you get your, you know, your soap from, all of this kind of stuff. And then there's this, you know, then you can apply that to your practice. So specifically, the class that we taught, the class that you did, I really wanted to steer clear of too much of like, oh, go be a vegan. And, um, <laughs> and, and wanted to really just bring awareness to that idea of non-harming, because I think that as a society, we beat ourselves up a lot. You know, there's a lot of internal guilt if we don't do things. There's a lot of like, I want to, you know, you come to a class with an expectation of what you're going to be like just because you've done it before. So you sit down in your mat and you think, oh, this, why does my hip hurt? Oh, that must be wrong. It's like, well, it's not wrong. It's just a thing. 
So it's this, this idea that you're expecting something of yourself. So then you push yourself to do what you did yesterday and then you end up hurting yourself because really you shouldn't have done that because today something was wrong. You slept, you slept funny or something. You had a crick in your neck and you shouldn't have done your wheel pose today because you should have given it some time to rest or you should have come out of the pose because you hurt yourself or you did it too many times. So I think our practice, my point in that one was to try and ease into a practice where you decide what you want to do. You know, we start with a low lunge then we go with a high lunge. But there's nothing stopping you from going back to that low lunge if that felt better. Like, you, you know what I mean? And like, if you were going to hold a pose, not holding it for as long as I say, maybe coming out early. So that was kind of the idea that I was getting at in that class specifically, was more around not harming yourself in your physical practice and trying to be aware of how you feel right now, which is really hard, especially if you've been practicing for a really long time. You know, if you've been, if you've been like whipping up into wheel pose every other day and then one day you try to come into your wheel pose and it really hurts and, you, and you, there's a mental block that says, no, I do this all the time. It shouldn't hurt. And you, and you want to push through. It's like my, my nan always says to me that she still imagines herself to be able to, this she's like 92 or something. She says you, you still think that you can do things that you used to be able to do when you were younger when you're old mm. but you can't but what i i mean there is that that made me sort of feel like instead of you don't do your will pose today it made me feel like don't beat yourself up except that today's the day that you're gonna not walk to the shop because your leg hurts because you've got arthritis or something like that i don't know like she's not gonna listen to this but <laughs> well i would say that yes to some extent yes listen to your body if you think that a day of rest would do you better than pushing through then listen to that but I do think that specifically with aging, again, coming back to these studies, there has been a study that I read about where they put some elderly people into, a, I'm going to say facility, but that sounds really clinical, but like an area designated for them that was um, decorated to be the time that they were at their peak in their life. So like maybe it was 40 years ago for them or something. So all the things on the TV, if there was TV, I think there was, they had some black and white TVs. They had like all the furniture to look like that. They had all the lights. Everything was designed. The clothing that they were allowed, that they were given to wear was designed to be around them being in their peak years, like in their 30s or 20s or whatever. And then they were just told to like, you know, live, go, you know, just live as you normally would. And they all did better. They could all do more for themselves than they could do when they were living on their own in like modern days because they felt more confident and because they were more familiar and it kind of reminded them of what they should feel like. Maybe I should suggest that to her. So throw your telly away <laughs> and buy you one of those old wirelesses for you to sit around and just like, <laughs> send you like all of Winston Churchill's war reports or something. Oh, no, <laughs> to listen to. <laughs> listen to. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, uh, yeah, that's an interesting study, though. That's, I quite like that. Mm, but in saying all of that, I'm surprised you haven't said anything yet because huh? I thought you might. About what specifically? About Ahimsa specifically and non harming and like living that kind of lifestyle. Well, I agree with it, I think. Mm. I thought it'd be quite fun to. You know when the BBC debates something and like, or the moral mates yeah, or something? Yeah, because they have to try and have both sides. And they get two <laughs> really extreme people in. So I thought it'd be quite fun yeah. if you were like the extreme, I believe in non-harming thing. And I was just like, the well, actually harming is a very natural thing and we've been doing it since the Stone Age. <laughs> <laughs> it's a human trick to harm others and animals. And the animal kingdom is our domain. 
<laughs> you know, I thought it'd be quite funny Survival if I was that fittest. guy. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> what would Charles Darwin uh, say? <laughs> Unless Darwin was vegetarian, uh, I don't know. Maybe, was he? Probably not. I'm sure there's some vegetarians from like people like Darwin. Maybe like Newton was one, maybe, or something. I don't know. Someone, someone from back in ye olde science days was, <laughs> was definitely a vegetarian. It's not something that got invented in the 1970s, is it? No, 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 no. I mean, Hitler was a vegetarian, and he's before then, so... Oh, dear. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> no, um, all I was going to say was, uh, quite a while back, I wrote an article that I just posted on Facebook, to be honest. Like, I think I did, like, a blog post. But it was basically talking about how it's kind of impossible because everything that we do, especially in the modern world, causes harm. So, like, one example you could think of is, like, oh, say, you know, say, going back to that kind of time period, you know, Newton and that kind of thing. Say say Newton wanted to give his grandma some flowers, and so he goes out in the garden, he picks some flowers, picks some roses, wraps them up, gives them to his grandma, boom, boom, done, you know, wraps them up with some twine or whatever. But if we did that now, well, we can't. Well, unless it's very unlikely you're going to go out and pick flowers out of your own garden. Maybe you do. Awesome. Usually we don't. Usually we go to a shop. The shop gets the flowers from someone who sprays a load of chemicals all over the ground to grow these flowers. The flowers are highly processed and extremely uh, not happy in the environment that they're growing in, so they use a lot of water and fertilizer and things to keep them growing in very concentrated groups. You know, the more flowers you can grow per bunch per land or whatever, the more you're going to sell, the more money you make. Then it gets shipped to a shop, so someone's driving it, someone's chucking out, you know, all this stuff. It's wrapped in plastic. Then you've got plastic you wrapped it in. That's going to last forever. You know, two seconds on the shelf, a million trillion years on the planet. And then you've given them to your grandma. Grandma throws the plastic away. Grandma's pretty happy with the flowers. But in the end, all that harm you caused just by buying those flowers. That's why I don't buy her flowers. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. Don't buy flowers. No, but my point is, if you think, if you really, really think about it, it is impossible to cause no harm in modern world. Well, I think I've touched on that before. Like, It's hard to be a consumer and be an ethical consumer. Mm. You just can be a slightly more ethical one. Yeah. I mean, like, where where's the money that, you know, you, we, we both have, I'm assuming you have a mortgage. You haven't bought your house yeah. outright. But assuming we have mortgages, where's, where, what are they doing with your money that, you know, they're holding on to or whatever? You know, all that money that we've given them, what do they do with that money? Well, a lot of it actually traditionally is, is like pensions. A lot of um, public sets of pensions are all invested in well, fossil fuels, it seems, as a very safe way to invest. Exactly. And- a lot of people are unaware that that's what happens. But, yeah, because yeah. a lot of the time you just you just like, right, what bank has a good rate? Okay, I'll go with yeah. you. And and that's that. And unless you specifically want to go for a bank that's giving out green loans, specifically, for the most part, you're just going to go with whatever bank gives you a loan for a house. And again, it's like, there's different levels of bad. You know, there are banks that are really, really, really dodgy. <laughs> that have their fingers in pies that, you know, should be on telly kind of thing. But... There are also banks that are pretty okay, but yeah, maybe they invest in fossil fuels and and stuff like that, and that's not a very nice market. But it's not necessarily supporting terrorism or something horrible. You know what I mean? There are there are different levels of harming. <laughs> We're not investing in fossil fuels anymore, but ISIS are getting quite a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like there are, there are levels, and and you know, we all each individually have to find our peace with what we are doing. And knowing that that is enough for us, which is why I don't tend to talk about ahimsa in my yoga classes other than specifically related to your body, because I think it is a really individual thing that you have to decide for yourself. I think the other thing about not telling people about it is that it is quite difficult 
to tell people to do something that you feel quite strongly moral about and that maybe they mm. haven't thought about it yet it's it's a very difficult thing to do to introduce mm. to to say you should be doing something morally or you should think about it because I know people take an affront to it, don't they? Yeah, yeah. As if you're telling them that they're a bad person for not thinking about, you know, whatever. But so yeah. I'm saying that, and not, you know, because I'm on, you know, your side with that kind of thing. <laughs> I'm not saying yeah. stop being so <laughs> like condescending and self righteous, Kayla. I'm not saying that, <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like no one changes their mind because someone has shamed them. That it's like, that's why no one changes their mind in an internet argument. It's got to be a slow process of realisation. But I do think that the, the tone of things is very, very important. And I think that a lot of the problem with a, having a moralistic tone, which I think, is probably the, I think is probably the main problem as to why you know people hate the left, is because there's yeah. a moral sort of judgmentalness to, to it. So you, I, I'm going to guess that you quite like Extinction Rebellion. Uh, I, quite, I quite enjoyed their initial push in london last year or was it year before last yeah you know it comes from a, a good place and everything i think but i think mm. it's i think when i see that sort of thing i think oh they just have to be so careful not to just push it too much that people think that there's some mad fringe annoyance that they just because because mm. it will push people the wrong once you take extreme tactics or extreme propaganda in inverted commas maybe and not saying anything because yeah. i'm yeah, not saying yeah, anything yeah. in the propaganda is a lie but i'm yeah, yeah. i'm saying it's just you have to be very careful about the way you approach these things because you turn people off yeah which is why i get quite annoyed when i see something like the extinction rebellion doing a protest because leeds has you know not met any of their green air targets when when extinction rebellion you know protest because of those realistic tangible things and then you know i don't know i don't mean this in a mean way but it's just not the right place bunch of vegans pop in and put up all their vegan signs telling people that meat is murder and it's the it's the wrong time and the wrong message because people don't want to hear that so then they attach that idea meat is murder to extinction rebellion and bam climate change is fake because like you're saying the marketing and the message is so important and so fragile but if we want real change and we want to hit people so that we cause you know clean air and stuff like that You've got to separate some of these issues out or they will never, they'll never be accepted. You know, it just gets lost on people that are perhaps open to being one round, but can quite, it's sometimes quite delicate. People are quite prone to double down on things rather than, Yeah. so if you tell someone that they're a bad person for eating meat, they might be like, well, up yours. I'm having two chicken dinners now <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. because of the way you approach it, you know, like it's, it's just mm. hard. I mean, you know, who am I to say anything? I'm not trying to win anybody round to anything now. I just like living a hole by myself and do what I do what I want. But like, yeah. you know, it is, it is, yeah. It is hard. It is hard because I think if you're starting to think about these things, you might be starting to think about living a life that, you know, is a bit harm less harmful, maybe a better way of saying it. Maybe, you know, that firstly applies to yourself. So maybe if you're constantly full of guilt and beating yourself up, then the last thing you want to think about is your diet. Maybe the first thing you want to think about is how you can help yourself first. And then you think about your diet and then you think about your plastic consumption and then you think about all these other things. But then if, if it's coming, it has to come from you. It can't, it really can't come from outside. It has to come from a desire inside of you. Because no one who changes wakes up and becomes a completely different person the next day. 
I didn't flip a switch and become a vegetarian. I, I started out eating just chicken because at the time, and even now, but like at the time I could get local, as in England, local, which is local in terms of the planet, but you know, locally grown, organic, free range chickens. So if your problem is obviously the moral idea of eating meat, then that would have, that wouldn't even be applicable. But if your idea is you want to, uh, you know, you want your carbon footprint to be less, then eating locally reared chicken and nothing else makes a really big difference. So like I really eased into having a greener lifestyle, you know. You slowly come round to these realizations of what you can do and what you can't do. And you have to balance that out for yourself. But I think that expectation that everyone or even whether that's you expect, not you, but you know, me and you expecting other people to just change overnight or them expecting themselves to change overnight is unrealistic. Maybe we've won some people around today. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that with everything, even decisions that you've decided for yourself, like, yes, that's it. I've decided this. I'm pretty happy with this. I'm going to stick with this. This is my decision. This is how I feel. There's all, there could always be something that you just did not know even existed and then once you find that out, your whole mind could be completely changed. Like you could go opposite of whatever it is you strongly believe. Like I had no idea. I mean, have you seen the Seaspiracy documentary on Netflix yet? Yeah, that's all propaganda. Oh, <laughs> it's all funded by Al Gore. And <laughs> I watch my documentaries by the Koch brothers. They're the ones that <laughs> they're the ones I believe. <laughs> Do you want me to tell you anything about it? I don't want to give you spoilers if you if you did want to watch it eventually. Can I guess the, the, we're screwing up the sea, I'm going to guess. Well, yes, about, yeah. that's the first half of the film. And then the second half of the film is how most of the people who get all of our fish are slaves. How none of our labels mean anything because they literally kill people who try to check. Have you got a smartphone? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know that most of the cobalt that they use to make the batteries and smartphones is is mined by child slaves in the um, Central African Republic? Yes, exactly. So, so just talking about the oceans for me, particularly, I would have said I'm a I'm a vegetarian, and I would have said that having the odd piece of fish was okay in comparison to having a beef burger. But now, I probably wouldn't say that because. Well, I've changed my mind now. I would probably say that if you could get a good burger from a locally reared person who's, you know, that would probably be more environmentally friendly than than supporting anything in the fish industry. And the farming is even worse because even though they might not be like slaves in Scotland, it's absolutely destroying the coast. So I've changed my mind, you know. But that's what I mean by just saying like, you don't know what you don't know. So it's really, it's really, it's kind of ignorant, to be honest, to go up to someone and tell them they should believe something that you believe when one day you could change your mind completely. Something could happen that could change your mind. Even something that you really don't think, not, there's no way you could change your yeah. mind. Something could happen that could change your mind. Like, I don't, you know, until you know everything about everything, which we're never going to do, really, you just can't say exactly what the best thing is. You can just know what you know and then live your life based on that. It reminds me of when I was um, growing up, but the school was a Church of England school. Mm. And um, I remember sort of saying to another kid that I didn't think I really believed in it. And he told me, Mm. well, the fact that God knows that you knew about it and you rejected it is worse than if you'd have grown up without knowing any of it. Because then when you died, God will cut you some slack. And I was like, firstly, I was like, fuck this nutter. (laughs) 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 But, But I was also like, 
Yeah, that's the kind of. I feel like that's quite a similar sort of thing. It's like, yeah, if you're yeah. ignorant of something, then you can't get blamed for for it mm. because you didn't know any any better. So that is very strong in all the Christian religions and Judaism and things. Where if you walk away from something that you used to believe into, you're worse off than if you just stuck around. But I just, I just think that's so odd because, like, because even if you pretended to stay. And every Sunday you went to church, if you didn't feel it and you didn't and you honestly didn't believe it, then how is that any different? Like you can't you can't all this you can't make yourself believe something that you've decided is, is you just don't believe in anymore. You didn't choose not to believe it, I think. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 You don't choose not to. It just kind of maybe it just kind of happens. I don't know, sometimes I feel like it's just being conscious of it sometimes rather than like I've done that, you know, I've had fish a couple of times a year or like if mm. if we've accidentally bought something that it turns out has got a meat flavouring in, I usually think, well, we've bought it now, yeah. so I'll just have it. And also, I think we've talked about this before, you know, the, the specifically around food, the Buddhists believe that if something is served to you, you should you should eat it like it's too late basically and so that kind of goes back to your idea of like buying food if you accidentally bought food that was meat or had meat in it or whatever or you know the simplest thing is usually sweets sweets are always full of gelatin you know you buy something you didn't realize and then you're like oh crap it's got gelatin in it you know it is your choice obviously but is is it really any more or less harmful to throw it away rather than eat it i mean i would i would argue that you should probably eat it <laughs> and that's that's kind of like how buddhists a lot of, you know there's quite a few different buddhist sects that if you sit down with someone and they invite you around and they serve you a steak it'd be like oh well i don't normally eat meat but i'm not going to mention it because that yeah. would be rude and all it would do would be to cause harm it would only only thing that you could do by saying oh no i don't want this steak i'm a vegetarian is by is make someone feel bad that is the only thing that's going to happen, you know, by saying, I don't want your steak. Take your steak back. <laughs> so if you secretly so. want to still eat meat sometimes, you just need to have <laughs> friends that don't really know that you're not. And then, then you can, like, keep going around yeah, there Yeah, if you have friends that don't know you're a vegetarian yeah, yeah, and then yeah, go yeah. around for tea and be like, oh, no, they've cooked me meat. I won't mention anything. Hum, 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 hum. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, you're going to fail, but you can fail better. Yeah. <laughs> that's basically yeah. the kind of conclusion that i've i've set so you, so you just don't beat yourself up about it and because that that is also harming you know the more the more guilty and horrible you know the more you you beat yourself up about it the more you're just harming yourself like all the joy that andrew's bought me over the years for our anniversaries and stuff have all come from fair trade sustainable mines but i mean have I gone to Colombia and double-checked that the emeralds are in a sustainable way and that there's no children there? No, of course not. <laughs> so I'm just taking their word for it. Yeah, it's why I stopped taking cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying... I mean, the most you can do is take people's word for it because there's no way that you could check everything. But there is going to be a point where people are just lying. Well, that's it. You just, I don't know, again... There's no such thing as purity, mm. is there? There's just, you can get slightly better. Because you often see articles about how a lot of vegan foods are still quite bad for either the environment or, you know, presumably slave labor. Like like a, like a vegan food that uses palm oil or something. or And, and also, like, uh, I've, I've recently decided plastic isn't vegan. Right. So anything wrapped in plastic can't be vegan. I've decided this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Because isn't plastic or isn't it always from isn't it always from dead animals? Yeah, yeah, it's dinosaurs or something. Isn't yeah, it's it? yeah. always it's so. not it's not from plants, is it? It's never from dead plants. I don't think so. I think it's yeah. No, it's, I think it's always animals. 
I know it's in a very refined form, but if it's from an animal, then it's not vegan, which means anything wrapped in plastic that's told in is vegan is actually wrong. If you want to be really specific. <laughs> no, yeah, that's true. I mean, there you go. There's another hurdle to try and jump that's going to be impossible. <laughs> oh, God. Can't win anyway, can you? Mm. <laughs> There's always a trade-off. It's science, basically, isn't it? It's like when we're having building work on and I have to get up early, I sometimes feel like I get so much more done. Like mm. It feels like such a productive day. But then I was thinking... The fact that I've had a longer day and slept less, will that mean that I actually live less in, <laughs> in the future? Like, am I trading off? Well, have I got six hours sleep a night? Is that forfeiting six years of life at the end of you know, what it would have been if I'd have just laid in? Probably not. <laughs> like, is that what happens? Like, are you yeah. are you designated a certain amount of waking hours in your life, well, basically? Well, there is a belief that you're designated a certain amount of breath. Uh, right. I think that stems from yoga traditions where you're supposed to you literally a certain number of breaths. And so that that's one of the what's one of the theories behind taking slow, deep breaths is that you'll live longer. Well, I'm definitely doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but but also like this I think this stems from like, I don't know, turtles and tortoises. You know, tortoises are really slow. They're very, very old, but they're very slow, and they do breathe slow and stuff. And I think people are like, oh, well, if you're slow, maybe you'll live as long as a tortoise. And if you're fast and you scurry like a mouse, you only live a few months. So That just sounds like fairness to me. Like, <laughs> it wouldn't be fair for a, for a mouse to be really slow, would it? Just like, <laughs> like, I don't think it'll work. <laughs> I don't know. I just think like that sounds like very unscientific science <laughs> that's not a word but you know what i mean it's like oh the tortoise is slow and he lives a long time that must be why he lives a long time well, could be because he's a different animal <laughs> so it's a coke brothers documentary is it yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> anyway right. well this has been fun um yes hey thanks for listening i've tried to hey in there i don't usually do that does it sound cooler i don't know anyway thank you i hope you enjoyed that we're back in two weeks when we're going to be talking about whether or not we have a soul. So if you've ever wondered, then we've got all the answers for you. Uh, maybe. Uh, so do join us then. Right. Okay. Uh, I did the bigging at the start, didn't I? So see you later.